This is episode 61 of the Break 80 Podcast. Dowd's here. And smell it in the air. The last of the four majors is upon us this week as we head across the pond. Here to discuss that, among many of the things, short set of Mike, top 100 Tim. And now that both of you are out of the heat of the Vegas desert, did we find joy playing in 150 degrees, or is that just the dumbest idea you guys have ever had? This is the yep. second time. This is the second time Tim and I have done this in two years. Went to the desert in the, in the summer. Um, it's it's not okay. It was hot as fuck, but it's a couple of the couple of the rounds were to- tolerable anyway. It's not that bad. I didn't even think I played in 117 in Vegas on Sunday, or close to it. By the time we were off the course, and I really, if you if you get in front of hydration, um, you stay in front of hydration. And you're using a cold towel and getting in the shade. I didn't think it was too bad. I I came off all of the rounds with quite a bit of energy. Um, The weirdest part is, you know, you're sweating. You can't feel like you're sweating. There's no water condensation anywhere on on your body because it's evaporating so quickly. So kind of end up with these salt rings around different areas. It's, it's kind of a bit wild in that regard, but I, I enjoyed it. I felt like things didn't hurt there was no there was no tightness in in any of the muscles the back didn't hurt the shoulder didn't hurt i'm not sure no if cramping going on too. no cramping huh you didn't get a you didn't so, get a hammy cramp so, or a calf so cramp. much water i cannot it, i haven't <laughs> yeah, drank no that much cramping. water in my life you got to get more plasma then you might, you might have died <laughs> yeah yeah you don't don't give plasma i'm sure there's not a big line at the old plasma donation center in vegas this week well, it must have been the dry heat. We'll get to your trip uh, a little bit later in the pod. Uh, let's start with there's so much happening in professional golf this week. Uh, you know, I'm just going to run down some of the highlights. We'll probably discuss more of the Scottish and, and of course, the Open Championship coming up. But uh, a lot happened. Rory wins the Scottish at Renaissance. Um, Vincent Norman wins the Barbasol. Steve Stricker joins Jack Nicholas and Berhard Longer in winning his third major of the season on the Champions Tour. Lynn Grant won the Dana Open. Nelly Corda wins in London. Last but not least, and maybe somebody would disagree with this, but I actually found this week one of the more entertaining tournaments of all of them was the American Century. Loved watching the 18th hole as Marty Fish and Steph Curry come down. Steph makes an eagle on the last one to win it. Um, lots of excitement on the 18th tee. So that's kind of all your recap of what happened during the week. Um, I think we're going to kind of focus more of our attention on the Scottish Open as that preludes the Open, gives us a great idea of what it may perhaps be like, some of the shots we'll see hit, some of the players we'll see. So let's start with that. Guys, takeaways. Rory wins. I know Tim has been all over Rory this this year and not being able to close or finish, but he ends up birdieing the two, one of the two toughest holes coming in, 17-18, long par three, Long par four in the wind might be one of the most iconic two iron shots that we will see. The the sound, the trap of that shot was unbelievable. And then the conditions were epic on that Sunday. A lot of fun to watch. So what did you guys uh, take away from that? If a golf shot could get, could get you horny, that, <laughs> that two iron, that two iron uh, that he had to hit, by the way, from like 203 yards into that wind, which I'm sure he hits that two iron. Like, did you say if, if Mike, uh, yeah, I'm sure Rory hits that two iron, you know, no wind driving range, what, 250 or something, 260 probably. And that was 203. 
into the wind, but that was awesome. The view from like the green view that's been all over the internet is sick. How you can flight a ball like that and then get it to stop. I know it was into the wind on a dime basically is insane, but yeah, Rory showed up at the end there clutch birdie on 17 and 18. I think it was he fun did. seeing. I think it's fun seeing that Rory's not just a high ball hitter. You know, I mean, he's got shots in his bag. I mean, he grapes. He grew up in, you know, over there. So it's not like, but I just feel like he's just known as this high ball hitter. Wet golf courses, gonna destroy them. Like he has some creativity in his bag. You know, we always talk about Justin Thomas. Work the ball. Work the ball. Can go high. Go low. Rory doesn't get enough credit. I mean, the guy can hit shots. It's just he, he can. I mean, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, making a few putts here and there, in my opinion. He's kind of been an Americanized or PGA Tour kind of eyes, I guess, where it's all, you know, hit it high, hit it to a number. But the big question I would have is, and I don't think the, they're not going to get this kind of weather in Liverpool, but could he sustain that in, for a full tournament, doing, having to hit those kinds of stuff? Because so, I went back, we were we were gone in Vegas, but I went back and watched a lot of it. It was really fun to watch. It wasn't, you know, when the weather gets like that, it wasn't the stock number. I'm just going to hit this shot. It was figured out. Like, I think this club will go that far. Let's try it out. Hit this shot. Like, like I'm sure he hit that two iron on 18. He went back and got more club. You know, he backed off, took a different club. Uh, I'm sure he kind of in his head was had no idea how close it was going to be. You're just kind of hitting and hoping a little bit, but uh, it makes it fun. Robbie Mack went wild and hit some crazy shots too. Yeah, that three wood. I mean, I wish I could hit three wood, like little lefty, like caught her into the wind. So what, four feet? I mean, that was just as impressive. But uh, yeah, Tim, anything that you had to take away? I know that you were doing a lot of golf, so you might not gonna see, might not have seen a lot of it. But yeah, I, we we talk about the the back nine for Rory making four birdies, including 17, 18. But there was an attempt to throw it away there on the front. I think he was two over. Two over. On the front, right? So I, the, the fact that he came back, he focused, he could have had another woe is me day, another second place, even though this isn't a major. It's just a, a country's national tournament. Uh, well, which, by the way, he's he is the all-time greatest Open player. He's the only player ever to win the British Open, which is a stupid name. It should be the Open. Anybody that calls it the British Open. It don't should want be to the Open. That. It is it's the, the Open. It's the granddaddy of all tournaments, the best major there is, the Open Championship. He's won the Irish Open and now the Scottish Open. He's the only player ever to win all three. You throw in the U.S. Open, he's won. He's won the Canadian Open. He's just like the man of the world open uh, championships, but yeah, I don't know. He did. I don't know. Did he really choke though? Because on the front, was he fading? He had the worst of the wind because he teed off the latest, you know, it got that they moved all They moved all the tee temps up and they did split tees to stay away from the wind, which became almost unplayable at the end. If you watched 18, like Tom Kim's ball, would not he could not get it to stop on that last hole as he was three putting and right in front of Rory trying to putt to win it. Uh so it was getting to be almost unplayable, even with greens that were rolling at a nine. They did not they did not mow them for like the last three days anticipating the wind on on Sunday. They so they kept wow. them super slow so balls would stop. Um so Rory played in the worst of the win because it got worse as the as the round went on. Um you know McIntyre came from behind playing earlier you know, even though he had some great shots on the stretch, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think of the golf course? First of all, 
I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't mind it. It's, we know it's not necessarily a classic. It's not a true link style just it's because not it, at all. it was designed. It was, it was manufactured, but I think that it, it harnesses a lot of the characteristics, a lot of the soul or the attempted soul of a Lynx. It's like a new age jazz player or a blues guitarist that's out now, right? It's like Chris Stapleton. It, he sounds like a classic, but he isn't. But it's still good. And yeah, that's th- that's where I'd put that golf course. I think Doak did a decent job. But, you know, it's a replica. I mean, I guess you could probably call it a true link just by definition because of the of the land it's on. Um, but it's not one of the classic true links. It's man, it's all man-made. Um, I think the greens typically there have a little more slope to them. So they probably usually play a little faster, but they couldn't at this time. You know, the, a lot of these other classic ones have fairly flat greens because the balls will stop then with the wind. But at the, at the same time, it's like, all these pros show up. It's fun watching their social media. They all show up and then they all go play Muirfield or North Berwick or Gullin, you know, the old three right around there. They, they have, they, they enjoy that more than playing the actual golf course that the, uh, the Scottish open is on. I think that says a lot about, you know, how good the classic, classic links courses are. Um, when they all, when they when those guys are willing to go play 36 whole days at practice round and go out and play uh, one of the, one of the local, classics that means it's pretty fucking good i'm sure but um i don't know it's not a great tv not a great tv course i don't think um i don't know jeff did you watch a lot of it on tv i did i thought it was okay i you know this the golf course thing is like i don't know i don't really see kind of the golf courses like you guys see them i just kind of see the shots that are played and i don't have a lot of the history i know it's kind of a modern link style that has just newly been but like, you know, the one thing I notice is like on hole two, there's just like a bunch of woods to the right. You know, it's like you don't see that very often ever. Um uh, I don't see as much of the pot bunkers, you know, that I want to see, you know, the old school pot bunkers that are like in the middle of the fairways. I didn't see a lot of that shots out of those. Um I need to see some more gorse bushes. I'm a big gorse bush guy. Yep. Didn't see much of those. Um, so I don't know. I I, think, I I just like seeing shots being made in wind. So if you give me yeah. some wind, I don't care where they're at. Yeah. I think for like the traveler, that's the golf course around there that's going to give you all the amenities and all. You know, if you're looking for the fancy uh, amenities and stuff like that, that's going to be the one. Gullen's not going to do it. Uh, North Barracks, you know, they're just classic traditional places. Muirfield's pretty private. You can get on, but it's difficult. Where Renaissance, well, Rena- Renaissance is private. It, yeah, but you can get on. There's no, there's really no, there's very few true private golf courses over there. You can find ways on. They have public days. Um, typically, like Muirfield have a public day. That's you know, that's the one just, I think they finally let women in. But um, you can get, there's ways to get on. Um, anyway, but um, yeah, Rory, there was some other, there was some Robbie Mack there. He, uh big implications for him after this event because he jumped eight spots in the European Ryder Cup points. He is now third on the European side and um, he would be in as of today ahead of Yannick Paul, which I'm sure Luke Donald is okay with (laughs) Uh, for sure. Although Yannick Paul made the cut, I believe. 
uh i saw that but um i don't know what do you guys think about scotty scheffler again third kind of quietly right there right third there place again he has not been out of like the top five or six cents like rbc heritage at, after the masters it's absolutely insane yeah, I mean, I, outside, are there even are there even odds on on Scheffler? Him and Rory outside are the favorites. Yeah, well, you, do, you, would get, you, you even get, make you can make top ten bets. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you even make money in Vegas anymore? I mean, at this point in time, it's pretty well, much a lock. When we get to the open, I'll tell you who I picked Jeez. when I was drunk in Vegas. I, I put some cash down <laughs> on a few futures. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but Scotty got through. How about David Lingmurth? who is not a long hitter. Did you see that? He was hitting it into the wind with driver like 230. It was going nowhere. Um, I, I can relate. I, I feel that, yeah. I Must have been a Strixon ball. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, and Fleetwood did a classic Fleetwood, though, and folded up on Sunday, two over. Tom Kim, three over um, on Sunday. How about the postman and T6? I felt that was when I looked at the, the leaderboard, that was one of the more surprising things. Cause I don't really find him to be a guy that would play well at this sort of environment. So that was one of my, my takeaways just by looking at the, the leaderboard, the fact that he, he uh, had a top six finish was impressive. Um, Hatton, the other Hoy guard, not Rasmus who won last week, Nikolai T six making Luke Donald's job tough. The Hoy guards can play. Um, Brian Harmon, sneaky open championship pick, I think, this week. Sneaky he's major up. pick. He's in every major, it seems like. His he's top last, 10s after the first two weeks in every events, one. He's played really well his last three events, yeah. And last was, year at the Open, he played well, too. I want to throw out one more guy, too, that was also T12. That Kind of a name that you might want to think about for next week, and that's Ryan Fox. Yeah. Um, you know, very... You'll see him a lot on, like, the European Tour coverages. I mean, he's... I think he's played out well in one of the other events at one point. I can't remember which one it was, but very good player, just not very well known. I mean, he shot 69, 67, 67, and then 70 in the tough weather. So he very consistent. Um, I would not be surprised if he kind of at least shows his face on Thursday and Friday at the open may not yep. sustain it, but, but uh, could, could be a good player. Kind of a good sign to see Homa played pretty well. Didn't play well on Sunday, but he was up there T12. He has been, you know, struggling a little bit but he's been a little bit more resurgent here lately. Uh, and Shane Lowry, who sneakily has, uh, I don't know if he's necessarily been at the very top of leaderboards, but he's been up there a lot. So he's been p- playing really well. Um, how about Sam Burns? See him get the ball stuck in the bunker. He hit that liner that just stuck in the face of the bunker. And then they tried to get him relief. I don't think they did. Right. Did he get relief from that? I don't think he got it. Playable? Uh, Victor Hovland, 25th. Yannick Paul tied Victor Hovland at 25th. You know who did not make, you know, missed their first professional cut? Ludwig. Ludwig missed this cut, missed this, missed the cut first time. But I, I, I still think Luke Don's going to pick him. Still think he does. Mm. Uh, I, I think he's as you, he's, as uh, you should. I mean, they're not playing in Scotland. No, well, and I think a lot. I've been listening to some other national podcasts, and I think a lot of people are on this now that that they sh- Luke Donald. I think I, maybe no laying upset, and this is without Tron because Tron like is a Ludwig guy, and they were talking about you know, the European teams slowly 
is starting to look a little bit better. You know, I think earlier you would have had the U.S. going to blow them out, but slowly I think their their roster's coming together where it could be closer. But they're still going to be the underdogs. And if you don't pick Ludwig this time, and you know down the road he's the top ten player in the world or something, and you didn't give him that experience, you screwed up. And especially with how good he drives the golf ball. Like he's not going to be spraying it all over the place. He's going to be in position. And if he if he has any kind of decent wedge day, he's going to be tough to beat because he's always hitting it well off the off the box. But and I don't even know who else they're going to take at the bottom. They're they're not very deep. Their bottom options are are limited. The uh not to get too far off here. The uh the Belgian on the Corn Ferry tour again was top ten again this week. Adrian whatever Duchardi's a stud. He uh he was up there again. He is every single week. But uh, yeah, I don't know Luke Down takes. It's gonna be kind of weird. But anyway, yeah, I don't know anything well, else from Scottish Open. Yeah, I was just gonna just kind of circle back to Rory real quick before we move on. I just you know when I was watching his round, he kind of did like the kind of had like the opposite of what we're used to seeing, like, you know, 14, he, he rolls in the putt from 35 feet, 30 feet, right. Very slopey drains a bomb. Then on 16, he doesn't take advantage of two good shots and, and pars the par five. And then he comes back on a really difficult hole and birdies it. Then he comes in the last hole and birdies it. So like he almost, you know, it's kind of like that whole thing. Like when you have expectations to birdie, you, don't and then when you don't expect it because you're just trying to make par maybe you do you know like there's not you kind of lose it he's like i got it i'm sure in his head in 16 he thought i had to have this one right um knowing that he was one behind and then the fact on 18 he hits his putt and thinks he misses it so that tells you a little bit about you know rory thinks he missed it goes in um he was windy that day two of those that were wind aided i think the wind pushed him in I know that's, that's kind of what still gets me a little nervous. Like he, he thought he missed him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's, he's making putts that he don't, that he doesn't think are dropping. And so, you know, he, the guy needs a break though. I think he's been hitting the ball well enough to, to deserve a win. I mean, I, I don't know how you can four under on the backside and that brutal conditions is, is great. I, I do think he had kind of a, you know, a couple putts drop that maybe you can't really expect, but on the same time, he, you know, 17, 18, you put him tight. I mean, he put him 11 feet and like six feet from a long ways away into the wind. So credit the guy. I'm sure he's feeling pretty confident going in, but has anybody won the Scottish into the open? You know, I don't think they have, but I, at the same time, I think there have been guys who have won the open after winning their previous event too, where they, you know, like they would have probably skipped the John Deere back in the day and won the event before that. So I, I don't know. I, that's what I was going to ask. Does it help Rory or hurt Rory or, or, or does nothing because he'd probably give, he'd probably take one open championship over 50 Scottish open titles. Like he puts too much pressure. He puts so much pressure on himself. I think at these majors that I don't know if it matters if he won a bunch of them going up to it, right. Leading up to it. You see, I think the way he won it is going to mean something. You know, he's been yeah, not he close. Through, no, nobody, yeah, through. nobody came back and he just ended up parring out and winning. It was the fact that he went out and won it. So I think like that mindset, like I don't think winning is a bad thing. It can never be bad for your psyche. But the fact that he went four under the backside, birdied two of the most difficult par or, or difficult holes out there and finished in that way. I mean, I don't know how you can't take that with you next week and, and use it. I, because he's gotten himself in that spot so many times this year 
and has not had the back nine. And so, I don't know, it's got to be a positive for him, I would think. And this will be a good segue into the Open because he is a sneaky good wind player. Like, you don't, you know, he, you don't perceive him as that, but if you go back and you look at his Open record, he won 2014 at Liverpool, 66, 66, 68, 71. T5 at Troon the next year. T4 at Brookdale the next year. T2 at Carnoustie the next year. Missed the cut at Royal Portrush, his hometown. You know that was putting, he's just putting pressure on himself. And then last year he got third again. So he's got a ton of really good finishes, you know, on links courses in fairly shitty weather sometimes, I'm sure. Um, so he's sneaky, sneaky good in that kind of uh, environment. Um, but the, uh, the current What's weather that? doesn't call for much though. It's calling nah, for it's like 15, the highest it's like 15. wind gusts. Yeah, yeah. 13 miles an hour, not which looking sucks, windy. which sucks. For, I, the best, the best opens are just the absolute where you wake up in the morning, 5am, 4am, get the coffee on, turn it on to watch tiger shooting 81 and just the most atrocious conditions you've ever seen. Windy, rainy. That's so enjoyable. Because because Liverpool Royal or Hoy Lake, whatever you want to call it, they'll they will tear it up a bit if it's not windy. It's mm-hmm. not a difficult goal. The course. the only thing I can say is the only thing that kind of stinks in those scenarios where you get the big um you know, the waves. You get very unlucky waves and half the yes. field is eliminated. That that part sucks. So if it if it can at least be consistent and, and, and guys are getting similar, I know it's golf. I know that you're gonna get different different weather patterns, but you hate the really, really bad ways where it's like one is heavily favored over the other yeah. kind of a thing. So let's let's set up uh, the Open Championship, and then you guys can kind of make some comments. I was just going to say, you know, where it's held. You guys have mentioned Hoy Lake, Real Liverpool. Um, things that this course will have. Gorse bushes. Yes, I'm excited about those. Love the, love a good gorse bush. Um, lots of pot bunkers. Lush fescue. This one will be interesting. Internal OB on six holes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be, that'll be, that'll come into play, you know, depending on the, the wind too, whether it's cross or whatever, you know, that there, you're going to see some people bail out on that. I can speak from experience at um, Cloquet country club, you play away from the <laughs> OB. Um, so that's one thing. And then uh, they're going to have fairly slow greens. They can't, you know, they might be a little bit faster than the, than the Scottish just because the wind may not be as, as big, but you know, slow greens, I feel like brings more guys into the the basket. You know, when it when it's a little bit slower, um, your ball seems to be able to you know, I don't I don't feel like putting as as a big deal. You know, you've got guys like Ernie Els have won won the open. Adam Scott has did he did Adam Scott win an open? No, he, he's played no, really no. well. Okay, Royal St. George's, he bogeyed that's like right. he screwed up. two of the last three coming in, yeah. But you just see like regular guys, like Darren Clark was not putting well when he won. He was putting awful. You know, in the slow greens, although it's, you know, you got to get them to the hole, I just feel like they're a little bit, you know, for some of these guys, uh, they're not as, um, they give a little bit more slower, just they can, they can just go at it. They're not worried about the free putt coming back usually as much. So I think that kind of brings the field down a little bit in the short game aspect and, and the, and the, you know, the typical uh, link style of golf where, you know, even your short hitters can run it out there a ways brings a lot of guys into play. You look, you look at some of the winners, Ben Curtis, remember him, uh, Todd Hamilton, you know, there's a decent amount of no name guys here and there that win this championship. And I think part of it is if you can navigate 
gate, and maybe a little bit of this is luck too. If you can navigate the bunkers off the tee and just keep it in play, you, you're going to be able to hit shots into greens um, because the length kind of gets negated a little bit by the firmness. Um, but that's also at the same time the genius of uh, Lynx golf where those bunkers are out there. They're they're somewhat noticeable, but everything's fairly flat. So it's not like this huge bunker you're looking at. And depending on the wind, they're either in play or they're not in play. And uh, one day there could be a bunch of them that aren't. And then the next day, if the wind changes direction, they're all in play. Um, you know, that's kind of like, like last year, if you watched at St. Andrews, the wind wasn't up enough and the wind direction wasn't, wasn't, you know, the good wind direction to make it really difficult. So those guys were never challenged by bunkers. But if you remember the year where Tiger won, he never hit a driver the whole, the whole week. He just hit irons around the bunkers all week long. And just try, that's the key. Cause you get, in, you get in one of those, you know, unless you can hit a great shot in there, you're probably making bogey cause you're going out sideways you know, you're hitting your third one up to 30 feet or something. And then, you know, unless you drain a long putt, you know, it's, it's an actual for the, for these guys, a fairway bunker on a normal tour event is no different than a fairway. Really. They just hit it on the green as like they would do from a fairway. Mm. These are actual penalizing bunkers where it's often a, a legit, like penalty stroke, basically uh, if you are in them. So that's, that's the big key. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a wild range of players. Looking at the weather, it's basically Thursday, Friday. It's going to rain in the morning, and then be wind at like fifteen to twenty mile hour gusts. So they're all going. To, they're both. They're both going to get the same thing basically each day. Afternoon will be windy. The morning rainy. The the history of this place is interesting too because you look at some of the biggest times in golf. You had our, our golden era in the nineteen twenties where you had Walter Hagen winning, and then you had Bobby Jones winning nineteen twenty four, nineteen thirty. It's surprising. You kind of have a gap where they they don't really go into the 70s, 80s with Nicholas and and Palmer. Um, there is one in 1967. Uh, but then in 2006, you've got Tiger winning. And in 2014, you've got Rory winning. What I wanted to point out, which was interesting here, are some of the score totals. So put this in perspective. This is the four-round scoring total for Tiger Woods when he had nothing but irons. 270 for his, his total scoring, which brought him to 18 under. Uh, Rory was 271. We're going to take a step back in time a little bit. Go back to when Bobby Jones was playing in 1930, 291. Oh, yeah. And the first the first winner off of uh, Royal Ho- uh, Hoylake or Royal Liverpool Hoylake was in 1897. Harold Hilton won with a score of 314, which is a... Uh, <laughs> Which is a uh, a pretty pretty poor uh, varsity high school score now for a four round event. <laughs> um, well, Bobby Jones, that was the Grand Slam year. Yeah, he won an interlocking. Yeah, I don't know. I think I want. It's interesting to me that uh, it was out of the rotation for forty years. I wonder why they went from nineteen sixty seven and then didn't go again until two thousand six. I have no idea why I know I've been to Liverpool. Um, I know that whole town for a while kind of became known as a rough, rough kind of town. And then they reinvigorated a lot of it. Like it's really cool now down by the docks and everything, but I don't know if that, what, I don't know why the reason for not having it open there for 40 years, Uh, but now it's back in the regular Rota. But the other thing cool about is this could set up 
the 18th hole is set up for a dramatic finish if it's close because the have you seen the pictures of the old beast lion and stakes oh it's it right is, there it is right off the fairway barely you know it is not far off the fairway on the right side and then the left side they grow the rough way up so if this gets to be you know a one stroke lead or tie and you get some crosswinds and stuff you could have a great finish uh because of the setup of that hole because there is it is tight see this is this is where cheating with tim comes into play for a nominal fee which i will tell you if you if you call I will go out there on Saturday night and paint that white red. <laughs> is, is that is that? In, I'm guessing that's in course OB. There's no such uh, I thing. I There's no such <laughs> thing. It doesn't oh, exist. It's oh, it it's a fallacy. It, well, it does exist because it's the it's the course's property. They they don't have to put white stakes there. Yeah, they do. They do it to a for player safety, so you're not hitting it down other fairways. You know, killing people. Uh, and B because they want them, they want it to be played the way it used to be played. Like modern technology has rendered, um, you know, some of these, not just like any course, um, somewhat obsolete. So these guys, instead of playing the dog leg or whatever they're supposed to play on the on links course, will just hit it down the the other hole because it'd be way easier, mm-hmm. uh, which they couldn't do back in the day. Because uh, you couldn't hit it high enough, probably with persimmons or whatever hickories to carry it all the way over to where it needs to be carried. Um, so they're kind of protecting the golf course a little bit too. The other thing is they have a new 17th hole, a new par three. They've, they've oh, changed yeah. the course since the last time. They have a new 17th hole. It's a par three. It used to be a par four. They made it a par three. Um, it got savaged, savaged by Billy Foster, Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, his caddy called it the little eye. And called it a monstrosity, so he was not a fan of the uh, renovation. Um, severe runoffs feeding into treacherous waste areas and two steep bunkers on either side of the green. Uh, he said, "Unfortunately, I think this Open Championship could be remembered for a calamity that happened on the 17th hole." Um, if was some, like, you know, is some, it like 130 yards or something like that? Isn't it's it short? Yeah, and but it's got you know, it's kind of like. Remember the year stamp. the postage stamp at true. Remember the year yeah. at the U.S. Open at Shinnecock where they had that little par three and stuff was running off into deep bunkers, and I think that's kind of what he's talking about. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the yardage. 136 yards. Okay. Um, I think they also made hole ten now a par four. It used to be an easy par five. Yes, they made it a par four. Yeah. Okay, and then they lengthened some of the par fives to like six hundred yards now. Yeah, from what Billy I saw. Foster, so, Billy Foster about seventeenth said, "God help the fifteen handicapper who plays it on a weekly basis because it's going to be nearly impossible for them." Uh, he said, "This week already, it's varied between eight iron and five iron, depending on the wind. In one hundred thirty-six yards." Um, it's just going to bounce off into trouble everywhere. So with less wind, they'll probably just be hitting wedges possibly, but. Um, so it's like, uh, it's almost like um, if hole 10 at Riviera was a par three and you just put, you put tees in the fairway and you try to hit at it, you know, with the, the tough landing spot, you're going to be probably a bunker or bunker, but then you add wind. It's kind of similar like that. Just kind of trapped with everything where you're just not, I don't think it's much it. difference. 
than the postage stamp, though, because the postage stamp is is this tiny green surrounded by bunkers Correct. and runoff areas, it's, and it's so, not. So, I think the trick they're going to have is it sits out on kind of an exposed area, and the green sits up higher, so the wind is going to be an issue. Adrian Moronk said he hit in a practice round an eight iron into the wind from 135. So that's normally like his one 175 club probably for him. Uh, and he's hitting it into this little tiny green, you know, and if it's bouncy and whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that can be fun to watch. You know, I don't, it's, yeah, it's not one of those opens, you know, where, you know, St. Andrews has, is memorable for St. Andrews and Carnoustie's memorable because of how hard it is. And, you know, Troon's got those holes and Mirrorfield's Mirrorfield. It's got some classic stuff. I don't I don't know if it's got any super memorable holes, but I think it's a pretty good golf course with some interesting holes and some of the quirk with the in-course OB and 18. It's got some quirk to it that could be fascinating as the tournament goes on. All right, well, let's get into our picks then. So we're going to do three picks each. We're going to have an American. Um, by the way, none of these picks can be like top 10 golfers in the world. We're going to go a little bit outside the box. We can be very basic and pick your favorites, right? But we're going to try to go outside the top 10. We're going to pick an American, a European, and then somebody from any other you know continent or, or country that doesn't fit those two um, uh, other ones. So after, after we do picks, let's swing back to the top 10 and go through and see what we think is going to happen with those players too. Okay. So let's do, uh, let's do our, let's do our American first. Let's go American, other, and then European. So let's start with American, Tim. Who is your American that you think will play well? Well, we already we already know who that is. It's got to be my boy from Live. Off a off a killer major season already, showing his invincibility or near invincibility. Wait, now was was at the U.S. Open? Where did he finish? It doesn't matter, Mike. This is this is Link's golf. You said near. You said near invincibility. Near, not all the way. He's not quite Superman. It's his, his probably what his last hurrah before his kid comes, more than likely, right? So it's uh, it's kind of his last chance at um, uh, zero distractions. Probably not the best way to word that, but zero distraction, major golf uh, until that does happen. So you know, I like I like his chances, especially he can flight the ball when needed. We've seen him do it before at other big venues. Um, but it it looks like he won't necessarily have to. And I think that he brings a, a strong putting game in the majors that'll be necessary here. Um, and the mental fortitude to deal with whatever's out there. He's got an interesting open championship record. He's kind of all over the place. He does. He does. He's either Miscut, really good or really bad. last year, but I think he was truly injured last year. Like he's talked about that. And he was T6, T4. Right before that, played well. Then 2018, when he was like, that's when he was like peak Brooks Kepka. He was T39. Uh, then he was a T6. Then he's got a T67 in there. He's kind of all over the place. But he, I would say you, for, you forget, though, he was on the challenge tour, right? He was he yeah. was playing in Europe for years before he became the Brooks Kepka of people's dinner tables. So he he's got the skill set to win on those courses. And it honestly, it shocks me that he hasn't won this yet. This, this to me, every year when it comes up is, is a no brainer because of how he got to the tour and how he had to grind through the elements over there for so long before he made it on the PGA. Uh, Yeah. I I think it, in theory, it should set up great for him because 
I think he is what makes him great at majors is he is one of the few guys that can stick to a game plan. I think like he will go in there and say, I'm hitting iron on these holes and he will just do it. He won't change. He won't, he just sticks to his guns and, and that's how he's going to play it. And this is a course where you, as we've seen in the past, you can hit iron all over the place. Um, and he won't have to hit driver that much. Uh, I could also see him though playing shitty and then, you know, Oh God, the greens were slow, you know, blaming, making excuses. Cause he does that sometimes too. So I don't know. He's all over the place, but yeah. I think, sure I think I awesome. read though that he likes the golf course. So he, you, we all know that he, he had said that he does not like the golf course at LACC, but he likes this golf courses from my read. And I also read that you don't have to work the ball. It's not like uh it's not like monster, monster dog legs left and right. It's just basically yeah. hit the shot that you want to hit too, which is, is kind of his style as well. So yeah, yeah, just maneuvering, play well. maneuvering the bunkers. Yeah. Mike, who's your American? My American, uh, you go first. I'm I'm still on the board. I'm still on the fence. <laughs> okay. With a guys. I'm going to make a, a snap call here. Well, I'm going to go off, you know, my big thing picking picks is recent form and history, right? And uh, this one is, you know, great history. This, this golf course has only host, hosted two recent you know, majors in, in six and 14. And this guy took second in 2014. I mean, historically speaking is a great weather player. You know, he can hit the shots that you need to hit. And then he's also got a recent win. Uh, Tim got to see it live in Detroit. Um, you know, it's Ricky Fowler. He's didn't play, you know, great this week in the Scottish open, but we've all seen that you don't have to play super well to, to come back and win the open. Your focus was just to kind of see, hit some shots, play in the wind, get some momentum going into the open, you know, not necessarily having to win it. Um, so I think he's proven that he can be a fairly, really good, uh, open championship player as well. So Ricky Fowler is my American. He has also had a bunch of pretty good finishes. He's had a T5, a T2, a T6. He has only missed one cut in, oh man, he's played over 10 opens since 2010, 13 open championships. He did not play last year. He did not qualify for the open championship at St. Andrews last year. That's Which how, is not surprising. About, but just think about how far he has risen. It's a, it's a great story and great for golf. He's a good dude. He's up to like, what, 20th roughly in the world now again or something. He did not qualify for the Open Championship last year, which is crazy. All right. So when we were drinking in Vegas, we decided to go make a few bets down at the old sports book. Uh, we we pulled out the open odd sheet. Justin Thomas was 40 to 1. Uh I'm thinking, ah, it's, it could be windy. Let's slap some cash down in JT. So I bet him in Vegas. His open record's terrible. I'm not taking him here. It was a moment okay. of weakness at the. It was a moment of weakness <laughs> at the sports at the sports book and some alcohol involved and you know, <laughs> hot day of golfing. So no, shit, no, we didn't even golf that day. No, can't even. I golf Long day, day of travel. We'll call it a long I golf, day. Of travel. I golf that day. I traveled and golf that day. Um, so we're not going to go there. So that leaves me. I'm down to three Americans. For, and if you're listening and you want to bet this guy, I'm not taking him, but Brian Harmon, sneaky, sneaky pick. He's played really well the last like three events, played well last year. I just can't stand watching a guy hit it nowhere and putt with a spaceship. So we're not well, taking he also, Brian Harmon. He also is known. He looked up, I think they counted 15 times from his ball to the yeah, target. I can't. It's just it's unwatchable. Uh, Danny. Danny is playing his first oh, ever open. First ever open. Good enough ball striker, amazing putter. Uh, 
and I looked at the Ryder Cup points, he's closing in. He is close. If he has a good finish and Justin Thomas, no, who's 12th? Thomas is 13th. He's a 12th is Ricky Fowler. If Danny McCarthy top tens this thing and Ricky Fowler doesn't play well, Danny McCarthy can pass Ricky Fowler and be in the top 12. But I do think the mix of it being his first open and that pressure is not great. So we're not taking Danny. So that leaves me with one American left. And I'm going with this guy. I, this is, God, this is, a bad this is my guy, on. isn't it? It's my guy, isn't it? Jordan Spieth? No. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I, I do think he will play well. I think he. I think he'll bounce back. He'll bounce back. I think and play well. But I think what what happens at these Open Championships is there's two trains of thought. You can hit iron everywhere and just keep it safe, or you can kind of rip it around because you don't necessarily need to be in the fairway because the fescue is you know it's not super penalizing in a lot of spots. So I'm going to take a guy who it's his second Open Championship. He does not hit the driver great. Everything else he's pretty good at. And he makes a lot of birdies. And he did make the cut last year in his first open. That is Sahith Tagala. That's going to be my American this year wow, at the open. That's definitely not top 10. No, I, I don't. I'm not, they were I'm close. Not, you take you took Brooks Kepka. Good God, one of the favorites. I'm not, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm giving people I, good I info think, over I, here. I actually do. I, I can see Dustin Johnson doing well here. He was... um. I think he was top 10 in 2014 when Rory won. He was like nine under or something like that. So I, I could see DJ playing well. Um, but yeah, we're going to go with Tigala. Just screw it. Why not? I don't know. Fans, if you're if you're listening, uh, just give us the $5 or $10 that you want to bet. <laughs> you're going to lose it anyway. You can support a good cause. Yeah, for sure. All right, Tim. Other. So just can't be European or American. Who's your other? Well, I we knew who I was gonna pick. I'm actually I'm shocked that that he was still in the uh, the top ten. To be completely honest, and that was that was Cam Smith. Um, again, shocker of a pick. I know they can't pick him, so we're gonna go to a perennial powerhouse of the Open. And somehow, even though he's getting old, he's always up there in contention. Uh, and that's Louis Oosthuizen. And I don't know how he does it. If it's the mattress he hauls around. If that sea air just, just you know, gets him in a good spot mentally, but he always seems to show up at at the open. Um, he's had a couple a couple of very strong finishes, even his older older age. So, I, and I, I had mean, to pick had to pick a live player. You know, does he always show up at the open though? Because he has no, missed, no, he doesn't. He but has he's missed had, the cut. Uh, he's fifty percent on cuts made in the last uh, six years. Well. So. <laughs> including a miscut last year where he did not break 70 at a must really have been in the bad draw Tim. he's in the bad draw a really yeah, easy draw. st andrews last year he shot 74 the second day he had the mattress flipped the wrong side but the year before the, the 2021 way. he did get t3 so he, ha- he has one let's see it here's here you go tim at royal liverpool he's he's he played there in 2006 shot 78 in the opening round missed the cut hey you know you can always bounce back 2014 at Royal Liverpool, he made the cut, but shot 76. He only broke 71 round there and T36 in the wind a little bit. You know, Mike, my, my last two rounds at Grand Falls Casino in, in Larchwood, Iowa, shout out, <laughs> uh, were 94-75. So I believe, I believe in the bounce back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, I could see it. He's done it before. I, does he have any form whatsoever this year on live events? Has he done anything? He's well, he's well rested. 
All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, an Aussie. I'm going to go with Adam Scott. And Adam Scott is the only player in the field that has a top 10 in both 2006 and 2014. The other guy that's done it is not in the field, and that's Sergio Garcia. So Adam Scott has played well in some opens. Uh, Like I said, I just feel like putting doesn't come into play as much. It just kind of brings the field a little bit together, and that broomstick can get hot, and I'm expected to get hot. Um, Hits the ball great. Can hit irons if you need it. Can hit driver if he needs it. And, you know, he's got sneaky good length. Um, One of the best swings ever, ever orchestrated. So Adam Scott's my pick and see if they can go back-to-back Aussies. Uh, yeah, I'll be picking, I'll be playing a lot of Adam Scott in like DFS, and he, I think he plays well. Going back, to talk, we talked about him earlier, that, in 2012, Royal Lithum and St. Anne's, he went 64, 67, 78, huge lead. Sunday, 75, with a bunch of bogeys coming in and still almost won. Um, but yeah, he's got a great open record. I think what he's also going for him is that when he goes complete beige, he just blends <laughs> in with the he just blends in with the golf course and stuff. Ask and you can't even see him. The media can't even find him. So he's just off the radar, just golfing out there. You know, nobody's even looking looking for Adam Scott. Um, yeah, I would fully expect um, him to play well. I am also taking another Aussie, but not the Aussie who you think. Everybody will say, well, you're taking Jason Day. No, no, no. We're taking a guy who's played pretty well this year. Min Woo Lee. Um, T21 last year at St. Andrews. Has won the Scottish Open before. I think um, one thing I would say, and I think this tends to go with like why Cam Smith and Adam Scott and you know some of these guys uh, – the Australian, you know, turf condition that they grow up playing, depending on where they grow up, like Sandbelt or something, very similar to, you know, these Lynx golf courses uh, in terms of firmness and stuff like that. So they're used to playing in these kind of windy, firm conditions. And I think if you if you're a social media follower, you know that Min Woo hits a hell of a of a low trage uh stinger with it needs to he also by the way hit a 225 yard pitching wedge downwind at the scottish open this, this week did you see did you see yeah. that which is insane uh but i'm gonna go min woo lee okay all right let's let's wrap it up with the european so tim going thomas peters just because i'm doing an all live lineup and <laughs> it was hard well it, it's the best bang for your buck out there uh well why not go henrik stenson then let's just let's really dig deep in the pockets just i i yeah. looked at both henrik and i looked at richard bland phil i, I just, mean dick bland you're gonna t- you, you are not going to legitimately take dick bland no to win the <laughs> no, open no. i am not no i'm not I, I i thought they were both a little bit too too old to step up to the plate and i know that that's <laughs> ironic because i picked louis Usazen, so none of these picks are congruent <laughs> None of them make any sense except Brooks Kepka. Uh, but no, going Thomas Peters, I want to get someone a little bit younger in there. Uh, and there's a kind of a short skimpins on young European players on live. Let's be honest. Uh, the Thomas only, Peters. I was going to say, the only memory I have of Thomas Peters in an open championship is when he, he was kind of right next to a Gorse, Bu- Gorse Bush 
hit a shot, basically shanked it, and literally broke his club over his knee. That's the only yeah. memory I have. That's the fireworks Thomas I want to see. Peter's He's a man of the people. Everybody knows those Belgians have, can't have a temper. <laughs> he has played in six opens. He has made all six cuts. But he's never finished higher than T28. So he's never he's never been in contention, actually. He's well rested, Mike. They're all they're all that's why I take him. All the live guys, they they didn't get all beat up in the wind on Sunday. They're they're ready to get out there. All right. Well, I, all right, I'm gonna go with uh, an open championship winner. This guy's won. Uh he played fairly well this last week. I think he was T twelve. Didn't have a great Sunday, but he's a mutter, loves the kind of golf. Took a top 10 back in 2014 and is in relatively good form. So I'm going to go Shane Lowry. I mean, he can hit that squeeze cutter all day. I feel like he's not too squirrely off the box. I feel like he makes enough putts uh, to to keep him in the game. So I don't think he's going to be, I'm not saying he's necessarily going to win, but I just think he's going to be up there. I think he's going to get at least a top 20, if not, you know, on Sunday, have a chance, a couple shots back, four shots back, something like that. I can see him. I'm being in this. So Shane Lowry. Uh, Shane Lowry's had a sneaky good um, year. If you look at his uh, results, the last T12 at the Scottish Open, T19 at the Travelers, T20 at the U.S. Open, T16 at Memorial, T12 at the PGA Championship, T16 at the Masters. He's had a lot of top 20, not good enough to be in contention, but very um steady good golf out of Shane Lowry I guess and did you watch the golf channel thing on him when he won the Irish Open as an amateur how crazy it was I have not seen it this year but I have seen it before but I'd have to kind of see it one more time to remember all the things that I mean some classic stuff about him what he was thinking and and all that was was kind of good I remember being good but I don't remember specifically well he was he was really good amateur but he had to base he basically had to turn pro because uh, when you win, when you won a European tour event, you you got a two and a half year, you got the rest of the year and another two full years. So he had a two and a half year exemption. So he's like, he almost had to turn pro. Uh, and that's how, and that's how he became pro by winning the, the Irish open. Um, okay. Yeah. Cause they gave him such a long exemption, but cool story. All right. My guy from Europe, the last a uh, few weeks here has a T6, a T5, lost in a playoff, a T18, a T5, a T15. He has played amazing for the last few months. He just never wins. That's the problem. Uh, open championship record, T4 last year, second place at Royal Port Rush in 2019. T12 the year before at Carnoustie. That's Tommy Fleetwood. I love love watching the golf swing. I'm almost convinced he'll fold on Sunday if he's in contention. And if he's not in contention, he'll do what he did at the U.S. Open and shoot like a 60, 64 or something and get up into the top 10. That's what he does. But um, he's played really well. Like, you can't deny his play. He's back after a couple of years of not really doing much. Um, I guess for me, the biggest thing with him is it's kind of a home game. He grew up, he's English. He grew up fairly close to uh, Liverpool up on the coast. I think somewhere up there, Southport, I think he's from or something like that. Um, so can he handle that? You know, I don't know. I don't see why he shouldn't, but uh, Fleetwood, baby, let's go. 
All right, there you have it. There's the picks. Uh, looking forward to it. What does this coverage start, Mike? At Thursday at like what are we oh. talking? What time are we getting up on Thursday? Oh, it's the best. Coffee. I mean, this is what's great about the DP tour. Every every week, every weekend, you get up early in the morning and watch golf. But um, I'm guessing it's like three or four a.m. I'm gonna look it up. Quickly. I, I want to say okay. it's three forty-five a.m. That's when the first shot is hit. I want to say that's when coverage that's starts. When coverage starts. Okay. Comes on. I also don't mind the app. I don't think the app is that bad either. I think it's got enough on there that you can navigate yourself. TV um, coverage comes on USA Thursday, 4 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. So 5 a.m. for us. No, is that 3 a.m. for us? 3 a.m. for us, right? You said 5 p.m. or 5 a.m. Eastern time? So 4 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, so or 3 o'clock. 3, 3. Um. Yeah, I'll probably get up about 4.30 or something. Usually get up fairly early. Make some coffee. Uh, okay, let's just run through top 10 expectations in the official golf rankings. Scheffler, what do we got? Going to play well. Oh, yeah. yeah top how, would he, how would he not? I mean, uh, he, has not he has not not played well Yeah, it's just, since, like, last year. Like, I, yeah. I just uh, – yeah, yeah, the only thing that's funny is he, he uh, hasn't won. He's, you know, it's it's kind of it's almost crazy to think. When was his last win? The players? Did he win the players? Yeah, players was last win. Yeah, he, he has not he has not been out of like the top six like since then, basically, but has not won. So I don't know what that says. If, if that's good or bad necessarily when it comes to winning. I don't know what to say, what to think about that. Like like Tiger would close, you know. And even did you look at that this week? Even Rory has like a 54% and he's got like the second highest closing percentage when with a 54 hole lead behind Tiger. Um, but yeah, I'm, how could you not think he's going to play well? Rory, we've already talked about, right? Yep. John Rom, kind of a quiet, there's not a lot of John Rom steam this week. I think within your reasoning, he's just been not, I mean, he was. You know, he had his dominance there for a while and, and played well at the Masters, obviously. But he, I don't know, he hasn't really, I haven't really seen a lot of John Rahm. I haven't really seen him play much golf. He's not been in contention to even see him hit golf shots. I don't think he's known for this kind of play, though, is he? I know he took third yes. the year where there's no wind. That was Morikawa, Spieth, and him. Yeah. That was very not a windy, windy tournament at all. That was his best finish, Royal St. George's. Um, 2021 Morikawa win year, but um, other than that, he's got a T11, a T34, T44, T59, and two and a miscut. Like he hasn't done much in the open, so wouldn't shock me if he did. I saw he chipped in twice in a row practicing. You see that? Like how good these guys are. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, what do we got for number four? Patrick Cantlay. Somehow he's number four in the world rankings. He hasn't won forever. I maybe a top 20. I don't know. I just don't see he's, him. He, he's supposed to be able to, to modify his ball flight. Well, he is. He's so, a great ball striker. So um, that's, that's very helpful if the wind gets up. I know it's, it's only supposed to be 13, 14 for the most wind of the entire tournament week, but you never know. You never know. And I think that that the ability to change the ball flight works best in in open conditions. He did top. 10 last year so he has been okay. up there uh victor hovland which by the way i saw the scripting today 
for the outfits one day is wild like the pink and the white and the blue like i don't even it's know God, that. It's horrible did you see that it's it's yeah. crazy now granted it's supposed to be like not he'll they'll be wearing like pullovers and you know whatever he won't have that polo on probably very much but it's wild i would say hovland probably plays well he's played well all year i don't see why he wouldn't i don't say why he wouldn't xander shoffle I think sneaky good chance to win for whatever reason. To win why, or to, to contend? Win, to, to win. Like, well, yeah, that would be contending. I mean, like, I think he could do it. Yeah. I think he's the kind of guy who doesn't necessarily seem to do well. There's a lot of expectation to do well, but there's not, I haven't heard anything about Xander Shoffley at all. Uh, he just kind of seems like that gritty kind of guy that could hang around and then pop a low number on a Sunday if needed in contention. Um, well, he was known for a major, major guy. Like he was, he was, you know, yeah. contending a lot of majors. And I don't think that's been the case recently though. No. And I mean, he had the Scottish to defend and he, he didn't show his best stuff last week. So. But he's made the cut every year. He's, he's made the cut every year at the open. He's T second at Carnoustie one year. He's pretty, he's pretty good um, in the elements and stuff. So he's one of me that's a little bit sneaky, not being talked about that could uh, pop up there and play well. Wouldn't shock me. Um, Cam Smith, obvious. Will play well. well, Australian. Yeah. He's already talked about, he told his buddies that they're going to be drinking out of the cup for another year. So we'll see if he can back it up. Homa. Don't have played much expectation really, played, for well him. The, played well at the Scottish this week. Played pretty well. He's over there with the newborn kid, you know, and stuff. So he's, I don't know if he's getting much sleep or what's going on, but uh, he did I would hit see, it well Yeah, I would see him making possibly making the cut, but maybe like T35. I mean, I just don't yeah, see no. him contending. Not top 10. Matt Fitzpatrick. I haven't seen any life out of is, – is he alive? What's he up to? He won the Heritage, but not – that was kind of random too. He wasn't playing awesome even when he won that one. Yep. And how about this guy who just this week bumped Jordan Spieth out of the top ten? Our guy Wyndham Clark is now top ten in the world. Wow. And he is. He's up there. I think. Yeah. What did he do with the Scottish again? Did he play? I think he played. Okay yeah. He. For he yeah. He. He played all right. I think he finished at like I don't know four or five hundred or something like that. I think he's maybe a sneaky decent win player. Because that because last year at the at the uh, Scottish he top twenty as well his first time there. You know, that was know. that was windy. That was windy last year. Again, wind's not coming into play though. So yeah, it, I know. think that the I think he can really control that driver because he hits that fade, and that fade's going to work out a lot better than than coming in with with a lower draw into some of those holes where you really need to to stop the driver rollout distance. So. Um, I don't know if he top tens. I think he top twenties. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think it all depends on the wind direction because the wind direction a lot of days really negates uh the power because some of these guys won't want to hit driver to keep it out of bunkers and stuff. They'll lay back depending on which the wind direction is. So it's kind of I don't even know. I haven't done enough research on it, but I know that's how most open championships play. Really, a lot depends on the direction of the wind. Yeah, I don't know. Excited. Should My be fun. Championship of the year. Yeah, I gotta soak it up. Last major. And after this, it's just 
you know, golf tournaments. It's not, it doesn't have as much, uh, um, meaning behind it. So we'll see. Uh, let's, well, let's transition to your Vegas trip, boys. Let's let's give the mic to you guys and tell us about some of these places that you played. Obviously it wasn't during its peak season. So you're playing some very hot weather, but you got to see some really nice courses, potential golf trips for people that are around our area, Minnesota people that can, you know, instead of going to Scottsdale, perhaps, or instead of going to Florida, some other options. Um, yeah. Break down your golf courses, what, what you thought and, and, uh, and whatever else the Vegas lifestyle brought. And for the listeners out there that are curious when, when to go, right. Cause this isn't, this isn't a January trip or a February trip. This is going to be most likely um, late September through October, early November, iffy in November, and then March, April, May for those that are interested. So not quite yeah. the depths of the winter, but our fall, our spring, where yeah. we still don't get to see daylight or happiness or the actual ground below the snow that we have. Um, great time if you were like when we were getting close to having a golf season here it'd be a great time to go down there and, and play some golf mm-hmm. you know bef- right before we actually get to go outside and play golf and i think what we did this time was just artwork how that how that was all set up i'd call it beautiful routing if it was a golf course but i came in and played paiute which has three peat dies which is 20 minutes north of vegas abouts Came back, had a room at MGM, uh, did the pool, did some dinner. I think, Mike, you went out and gambled. You put money on on a couple guys. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I uh, the other guy I put money on was was a was a Mike special at one hundred and twenty five to one. The Zayden Hoot, baby, let's go. Let's see if my my guy can can pull it off for me. Uh yeah, I I can't. I, we flew in a little later than you guys, but. The route Tim's talking about was perfect. We went, stayed in Vegas first night, drove to Mesquite, which is what, like, I don't know, an hour and a half or something. Yeah, it's all of 80 miles to get up to Wolf Creek and had an absolutely, I, I think, a wonderful time there. Granted, your first time out in the heat, I had already started to try to acclimate the best I could between playing golf the day before and going to the pool. Uh, but wonderful, wonderful um just just stewards to us to the entirety of the group to all of the the people there giving them their business and it's the second time i've been to wolf and it's been great hospitality both times so a huge shout out to wolf creek an interesting story though coming from some of the staff there that i did had to come back and confirm um so in 2002 actually filed the course's ownership at the time, filed for bankruptcy. Now, they were listed in 2002 as one of the best new courses to play. Um, So I'm I'm not sure if maybe they outran their loans. If you ever have seen the course, it's been on the Tiger Woods slash Rory McIlroy video game since 2008. So a ton of notoriety then from that. Uh, And it was featured on Under Armour's 2016 photo shoot video shoot with uh, Jordan Spieth um, showing off all of Under Armour's best quality clothes. <laughs> uh, but a ton of notoriety around this course. And when I first played on the video game and friend of the podcast, Pat said this as well, I didn't think it was real. The way that it's cut into these rock formations, 
how it almost looks like they had to fill in with millions and millions of cubic yards of dirt to raise fairways into this this Mars landscape is just beyond wild. Um, Mike, if you have any, do you have any thoughts on on Wolf Creek yourself? Yeah, I was gonna chime in. The hospitality was great. I mean, we got there and it was hot as hell. I mean, it was uh, it was to me. I only played three days when we were on this trip. It was the hottest day, uh, and you had a bunch of workers out there that were telling us where to go, helping us out. Came right to the car with carts for us, got us all set up. You know, and they could have been dogging it in the heat too, but they were uh, on top of their game. Um, pro shop, just full of merch. Great pro shop. Uh, I always love that. Disappointed that I that I forgot to go back and buy that corduroy. They had a sick corduroy hat selection, uh, which I love. <laughs> but they 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 closed down. We were like, we were like the last groups out there, so they like closed down right before we got back in there. But uh, yeah, I believe in the pro shop there or by the restaurant. There was a story about um, I didn't read it all. A guy, I can't remember the name that kind of came in and kind of changed things around there at uh at wolf creek and really revitalized it but the video game probably helped a lot too but tim is right it is um having not played there unlike anything you're gonna find almost anywhere um i don't even know like i think tim had mentioned that they what was the deal they they had they bring in mowers they like flew them in there to and just keep them in certain spots they can mow up in these yeah yeah because because areas. all of these areas are so isolated all these green sites all of the fairways they're all so isolated that there's almost like hidey holes like artificial mini caves throughout the course where they'll have to hide the mowers they'll they'll have to hide the infrastructure to be able to take care of the course in these areas just because it is so hilly and you saw you saw the amount of speed bumps i mean those carts are they have to be dead after half yeah. a year of use up and down and up and down. And um, I, sorry, Wolf Creek, I accidentally had the back end of one of those golf carts out. It wasn't my intention to do so. <laughs> I just picked up too much speed going over a speed bump and, and started to slide a little bit. So it's uh, it is a weird place to drive a cart and it's absolutely a, a wild place to play golf. The only way I can describe it is, a, a desert version mixed with Mars of Tobacco Road. Blind shots, weird turns. You're not exactly sure where to hit it. Yeah, it's you know, and you had played there before, and and Pat and I um, played in the group behind with our uh, significant others, um, and we had a few times where we were like, where do we hit this? I had a yardage book that I bought, um, which helped a little bit, but I think what I would do. If I was going out there, you know, when it's not 115 degrees, I would maybe just play 36 holes in a day, like just play around in the morning or something, or maybe, or the next day you could stay in Mesquite. There's a bunch of, you know, there's some casino hotels and stuff. I think the second time around where you knew even better where to go, you would appreciate um, some of the risk reward that it offers. There's a few holes where you could def after the hole, I, I played it one way, like I hit an iron off a tee. And I was looking back, I'm like, dang, I could have hit driver up by the green to this big bowl kind of area. Uh, there's there's a few opportunities for some pretty drastic risk reward if you're willing to do it. But yeah, it's unlike anything um you you would imagine. I you know, it's pretty wild, it's pretty wild landscape. Uh, I can only imagine we play it, you know, in the heat when they're 
with the Bermuda and stuff is a little browner. I can only imagine it in the spring or fall where it's really green, like you see in a lot of the pictures. But the other thing I'll say from our group is um, we had two ladies playing. Uh, the ladies tees are, you know, if you have if you have some beginner golfers that don't, you know, you, they're, they're intimidated by this golf course, you could move up some boxes and it takes away a lot of some of the, you know, difficult carries and things like that. And it can make it very playable for, you know, even kind of beginners and stuff like that. So that's good. For, the other forward thing tees, had, Mike, for, forward tees. Yeah, but forward tees. Yeah, sure. But like not even, but like not even all the way for, there's a couple boxes up front where you can eliminate some of the carries and things like that. The other thing is they had a great hot dog at the turn stand or a glizzy as the kids will call it these days. Uh, so Tim and I, we had to do a little research on what exactly is meant by uh, the glizzy for the hot dog. We still don't understand the correlation, but Tim, you want to fill in the, the listeners? You know, I, big on rap culture over here. They <laughs> top 100, Tim, straight from the hood. Uh, I'm on that public life, folks. I'm still still grinding the streets. So glizzy took its name from Glock, the uh, the common the common handgun. And uh, I, I suppose as it went, as the story goes, the magazine, the, the thing for those, those normies out there that maybe don't understand uh, uh, gun nomenclature, the thing that holds the bullets, uh, the magazine is approximately the same length as a hot dog. <laughs> so that's, that's somehow where it got its convoluted kind of name from Glock to the magazine of a Glock that was kind of the same length as a hot dog. And now we're, now we're here calling the the woman that participated in the Nathan's hot dog eating competition, glizzy Lizzie. So yeah, like Lizzie, <laughs> that's how, that's how it worked out, but they had a good, they had a good hot dog and it was actually reasonable. The prices for food and stuff, re- very reasonable, uh, which is, which is always nice. As we transition for those that are interested in a trip, uh, because we're going to talk about Sand Hollow next, Wolf Creek, if you do call in, does a package where you can play Sand Hollow, Wolf Creek, add on other courses if you like, you can add on 36s if you like, um, but they do a minimum of three rounds of, of golf with another couple great courses in the area as well at a very reasonable price. So if it is something of interest and you wanted to to focus mostly around Wolf Creek, play it multiple times, like Mike said, uh, the folks at Wolf Creek do have a stay and play package and they'll get you moved around to some of the best in, in the area, including all the way up to Hurricane or Hurricane as Mike wanted to call it, Hurricane Utah and Sand Hollow Resort. Okay, before we talk about this, we got we need to we need to I need to express how stupid it is. If you want to call the town Hurricane, just take the damn e off. It's spelled like Hurricane. That's proper English language. If you want to call the town Hurricane, fine. Just remove the e. This doesn't seem complicated to me. It's just stupid that they call it Hurricane. I'm sorry. There was only just... one thing that pissed Mike off more than the E on the end of the name, and that was their liquor sales. Yeah, also ridiculous. So Wolf Creek's in Nevada, which we stopped. We 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 stopped at the uh, we stopped at a, at a grocery store, which has had a great selection, which we needed Minnesota. Uh, you know, bought some stuff there. But then the next night, we we're in Utah, we went to the liquor store, and they only sell 
everything is priced per can. So you can't just go in there and buy like a six pack of beer. You have to pay for six individual cans, even though the six pack is closed, you know, whatever. Now for A, it's how they make you spend more money because you, you know you don't get the cheaper rate. But I asked her, I said, why this is dumb. Why, why do we have the why do you have this rule? And she goes, Well, the state of Utah thinks that if somebody wants to buy four cans of beer, they shouldn't have to buy six. And I was like, Yeah, did nobody go do any research? Like other states like Minnesota have liquor stores where you can buy the six and twelve and twenty-four pack, or they have another section where you can just go buy things by the can and you can buy one, two. Like, why can't they delineate the two? It's the dumbest thing ever I've ever seen. But there's a lot of things about Utah that just made no sense. That that makes zero sense, too, because it's not like your beer is going to go bad. Now, yeah. my wine, for instance, that I didn't get a chance to drink, I had maybe a glass and then left it here for the trip is completely bad. Can I go and pour some of a their wine into a Ziploc bag and walk it out the front door. <laughs> it's, it's Utah is a bizarre place. Just bizarre. We, there was a sign I put it, I put it on a poll on my Instagram that the restaurant we ate at that had like appetizer list. It was like mozzarella sticks, uh, some other appetizer. And it said scones. When the hell is a scone an appetizer? That's like a breakfast pastry or dessert or something. It's a bizarre place. This is no negative uh, about Utah, the, the totality of the state. It's a couple of weird things out there in the minutia. But <laughs> Sand Hollow, excellent resort. Wonderful yeah, time. Fantastic. Uh, from the pools, I think they had a, a volleyball pit going in. They had other hobbies and things to do there. Um, a reservoir with a 25-foot a cliff you could jump out of or off of and dining options that seem to stay open whenever we needed them uh, there at the, the course. A wonderful short par three, uh, a nine-hole, 3,600-yard-long uh, links course, and then the championship course, which uh, a bit famous on all the top 100s now, especially for their back nine. And, and Mike, I think you mentioned your favorite. I Yeah, I, I actually went into this trip thinking it would be my third favorite. Um, and to me, it was my favorite. Uh, I think Tim's right. There's there were a bunch of pool options. The little par three course was fun. We did that one night. The, uh, the restaurant pro shop, like it's a pretty cool setting up on top of the hill with, it's just all glass. Um, you could see out to the golf course or whatever. The, the Eagle burrito was spectacular for breakfast. Um, but yeah, I like the golf course a lot. And that's just maybe my personal style. Everything's in front of you. Uh, where the other two, Wolf Creek, and we'll talk about Black Desert, have have a little bit more of quirk and blind shots to them. Um, you know, Tim will say the front nine is really resorty and wide, which it is, but it's long enough. You can play it long enough where you're not just hitting, you know, a bunch of little flip wedges. And then the the back the back holes that it's known for are spectacular. There's like three, four, five holes that are absolutely unbelievable. Um, so yeah, fantastic. The only the only downside I would say. Is they had a good pro shop too, but the logo is bad. They got to change the logo. It's just not. They do. They do need to change the logo. I guarantee. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're rare in this take, but I have to believe that there's enough golfers that go in there and they would buy something, and then they look at the logo and they're like, "Oh, I'm not buying that. No way," because it's just a it's a bad logo. But uh, golf course spectacular. It's got like a super red 
rock and sand around there. So the bunkers are all this deep, deep red. Um, yeah, great track. I like that one a lot. And now into our, our favorite experience of the trip. <laughs> oh my gosh. Black desert. And I don't, I don't know what was, what was worse, the impending death from not getting food uh at a a place that was supposed to be all you could eat and and drink while on the course excluding alcohol um or the fact that there seemed to be these these magma rock outcroppings that weren't necessarily listed on any of the yardage provided but they just seemed to be everywhere and i it felt like you had to hit a a 30 or a 20 foot in diameter circle off off every tee especially on the front uh i was getting so pissed at the at the oh my god so first of all if look up black desert and you're gonna what why it's called black desert is because literally this golf course is built in like this old you know lava flow from i don't even know millions of years ago probably so it's just this black rock everywhere Sharp. And you'll just have so a, sharp. Yes, yeah, sharp. And you you will have a golf hole in between all this. And there's a fairway, and then just a little bit of rough. Like this was not a long distance of rough. Fairway, little bit of rough. And then if you miss that, you are in the a hole of lava rocks and not finding it. It was the craziest thing ever. The, the it made for great photos and stuff, which I'll post a few of those later. I haven't done that yet, but because uh, it looks cool, but it actually played really difficult. Lots of blind, like little lava things. I don't know. I hit one with a driver on the right side of the fairway, and it ended up on the left side behind a lava rock, and I had to decide if I wanted to break a club or an arm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I The golf course itself is unique uh, it, because of the black lava stuff. Uh, I just don't – so it's Tom Weisskost's last – design before he he died um and not every hole's got a flyover you know like telling you where to hit it but it's, it's a flyover from when it was all like dirt still so you can kind of tell what's going on but you can't and then he, every hole he's talking about how oh this is uh my tribute to uh the postage stamp this is my tribute to 15th at augusta it's like it makes it seem like every hole is a tribute hole somewhere so i don't know they're nowhere close they're nowhere close to even an attempted template no i don't i don't get it um isn't there gonna be a pga tour there is yep they have a four-year contract so black desert resort entered into a four-year contract with the tour to have and it's it's unspecified when it's going to be obviously it's not going to be in july but being out there it is maybe a double wide cart path that connects the T boxes. And then you're within these magma flows. There's nowhere for fans to go. There's not enough room to put stands in the rock that you're on. It's either a hole or it's a cliff of these magma forms. And it's not, it's moving rock still. So it's not, it's not firm enough to have stands placed on top of it where they'll be stable. And even if they could, there's nowhere for the fans to move because the only place to go are on the cart paths. So I, I have, I'm having, as we were going through the course, saying to Mike, I'm having a real difficulty seeing how they're going to do this. Like the logistics of people movement don't make sense here at all. Um, no. Yeah. That was my that was my opinion of it. Mike had a, a, a different, well, same opinion on that, but 
you know, just that do you think they're going to hate it? My take is I don't, I just don't see the PGA tour players like liking it. They don't like blind shots. They, you know, they like everything in front of them. It's got a lot of blind shots. Um, it's got a lot of like some, you could get, you could hit a good shot that bounces, you know, cause it's kind of a new course. So it's very bouncy. Uh, it bounces into the lava. You cannot play it. I mean, I guess the pros could play it out of the lava rocks because they'll just, if they break a club, they just get a new one replaced. But like, it was rock hard, sharp. Like uh, you can't really play shots out of it. Um, I think the caddies are going to hate it. It's going to be a rough walk and it's going to be a lot of extra work with blind shots, trying to figure out where to hit it to. So it's, I will be extremely interested to see how the tour players uh what do they think of it because they've taken they they tore apart like trinity forest you know core and crenshaw down in texas they didn't like that um my guess is it's going to be like a fall event where it'll be not all the big star you know it'll be a a lesser field my other take is that within 10 years maybe 15 let's say 10 they're going to go in there and they're going to renovate this golf course they're going to make it wider they're going to take they're going to get more lava out of there somehow because it's going to change once they have this humongous resort they're building just massive looking structure hotel or whatever and they're going to change it to you have to stay at the resort to play so it's going to get a lot more expensive and you're going to get all these resort people out there who are spread all over the place can't find the ball can't play it from the lava who are going to be complaining and they're going to end up widening it. Uh, that's my that, that's how I see it happening over time. That they're going to make the golf course easier because uh, it was actually pretty tough. Um, yeah, it it'll be a six hour round if you yes. get resort guests out there. Yeah. Uh, uh, epic epic putting thirty six hole putting course though. Awesome. Uh, really sweet. Really sweet. Uh, should we get into the rest of the experience, Tim? I mean, I, I think I already. I think I already. Uh, kind of talked about my my lack of food and water and and ability to stay cool out there but <laughs> well it was it was touted as this all you can eat and all you can drink not alcohol they don't they don't have their liquor license yet so no alcohol um so and you were, you were supposed to get like breakfast burritos we got there they had they had like these pre-made ones or something that weren't very good they had one cart they were, like, they were like breakfast let's not call that a burrito it was a sliver of tortilla <laughs> gel with cheese in the center Yes. And uh, then they came out at one point, they, they brought out hot dogs and hamburgers, but they were like, you know, my take is, okay, have like mustard and ketchup packets. They brought out hot dogs with like mayo on them. Oh, mayo God. I'm glad I didn't mayo. ask. I just ate it. I didn't ask what the white mayo, stuff was. ketchup and just no options for what you want to put on your stuff. Just we're going to throw a bunch of shit on there and you're going to eat it. And then, and then the other golf courses gave you a bunch of like nice towels, you know, wet, wet down, keep a cooler. They had like these little tiny, like washcloths for taking a shower. So you could, you'd put it like on your head. And it was just tight. I don't know. So they were, I think they were trying to probably execute, but maybe just that they don't have it figured out yet. Cause it's brand new. I don't know, but uh, they got, they got some work to do there, but another unique golf course. That's for sure. And then I finished up back down in Vegas at Cascada, which is a Reese Jones design. Um, again, a lot of a lot of change in elevation, not quite to the extent that Wolf Creek has, not quite the blind shots that Wolf Creek has, but the greatest of hospitality I'd seen so far. And that's no offense to Wolf. 
they just have more staff at, at Cascada where they're greeting you by name when you come up in your car. They're they're getting your clubs out of your your bag and everyone there seems to know who you are almost to the point where you're checking yourself for a name tag. Um, interesting course, well manicured course. It, it feels like something that truly should be in Palm Springs, Palm Desert by the number of palm trees that are there, by the amount of water that seems to flow through the course where it should not belong. Uh, you look down into the valley that's got to be 800 feet below and it's solar panels and desolate desert. But it is a uh, a wonderful course and, and probably worth a, a one-time go about it. Um, obviously not for the faint of heart. I think it was $359 to play in off-season. Uh, so little little bit more on the pricier side, but it, it was uh, it was certainly worth the play with the rock formations and and the waterfalls and the ability to still see holes while they still had dog legs and elevation changes. Nice. I, uh, I have Anything a couple. Else? Yeah, I have a couple of weird flight stories flying there and back. On the flight there. I was sitting by an older couple that lived in Vegas and the guy started clipping his fingernails <laughs> when we got back just sitting there. That's gross. And on the flight back last night, a lady sitting next to me carried on an entire broaster chicken, like one of those broaster chicken things, a whole box and a left, like a, like a takeaway container of some sort of like Chinese food or something, you know, like and had it all on the plane as a carry on eating it uh, during the flight, like an entire freaking box of like the Chester's roasted chicken or whatever, which did she buy it crazy there at the airport or did she, like, I don't know. I'm assuming not through? because I'm assuming not because a bag of Gardettos was $10 at the airport. So I doubt she bought the entire broaster chicken there. So. She sure? That was kind of bizarre. No. Oh, she did. But with people on the other side of the aisle that must have been Son related to her, she knew she's passing it over there. I, oh I just God. had my headphones on, you know, watching Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime, just hoping to get home in one piece. <laughs> this is this is why you don't fly lower tier airlines, Mike. <laughs> that was you don't do it. I'm supporting a local local company. You you don't do it. I shout out to Delta. I was five pounds over on my my bag both times. You're just like, ah, whatever. Throw it in there. Uh, I was over on mine. They said the same thing, Tim. Spirit would have had. Well, spirit would. That's the worst, though. They would have. They would have taken your daughter away from you, sold her into <laughs> somewhere. You know, it would have been a whole scene. All right. Well, sounds like you guys had a good time. Stayed. You know, you, you came back in one piece. So. Oh. We didn't. We didn't we did, die. We don't want to go much into our golf games, but Tim had two close calls. Two, What's that mean? When all eight, when all eighteen. Oh, okay. In the match, couldn't yep. close one out, huh, Timmy? Couldn't. I. I couldn't close a, a front door. <laughs> well, I was gonna finish just with. I uh, finished up a book that was that was kind of uh, um, suggested to me. Uh, you know, I've been kind of searching for something to kind of, you know, I I kind of like to work on my game, whether it be physical or mental. And this is kind of more on the mental side of golf. And so it's, so it's a book by Bob Ortella, you know, very, a lot of people have heard of him. This one's called The Unstoppable Golfer. And I just want to share some of the takeaways. I just feel like I learned a lot from it. 
Um, in fact, you know, the first round after I finished, I shot even par, you know, it's like, I haven't really found that gear. You know, I did it maybe once this year and, and haven't really found that gear. I just think it was a lot of it can be based off of what I had fresh in my mind. So I was going to share some of these things. First off, I'm really bad at this. And, and it's just kind of, it talks about your self image. So that was my one takeaway. Take like you need to speak positive about yourself and your game. Like you can't be, you know, there's, there's people that can, it can be negative and, and get down on the shot, but you can't get down on your self image of, of you as a golfer. Cause that, uh, is, he basically says when you get down on yourself as a golfer, it's really hard to, um, get yourself back up to where you need to be to hit and execute, um, good golf shots. Not very many people can tell them that they tell themselves that they suck and then make a pot, right? That's just not, doesn't happen often. So Positive self-talk is one thing. The other thing is, uh, I thought this was interesting because I always thought of golf as, you know, it's an athletic sport, but not like all the others. So what I mean by that is everything's a reactionary sport. You know, you got baseball, you got to react to the pitch and hit it. Uh, Oh, it's hit to you at shortstop, you react to it, you get it, throw it to first, right? Everything's reaction. You don't, there's not a lot of thinking involved. And so what he says is, Golf is an athletic sport and and you do react. And the part that you react to is your target. So once you pick your target and you do your routine, you are just basically at that point and you're ready for your swing. You are being an athlete. You are reacting to the target that you're hitting and you're just letting your body naturally flow to it. So whatever it is that you pick. Um, So the part of being an athlete is just being able to, and and this is kind of where I've gotten lost is, you know, having all these swing thoughts. And he says it's okay to have one swing thought, but that's that's it. Anything more than that, you're taking away that um, part of athletic reactionary feel. So that was one thing that I thought was interesting. Um, and the big takeaway is your short game. Uh, he, he just talks about it constantly. It's the foundation, basically, of your, your game. Uh, and while you'll be able, and basically why you can shoot what you can shoot. Um, a cocky golfer is somebody who has short game. You know, if you, if you're a cocky golfer, there's a reason why it's because you can get up and down from a lot of spots. It's because, um, you can make an eight foot putt. You know, those are, those are all reasons why you can be, you know, you don't find a lot of people that don't have very good short games that are, you know, cocky golfers, right? You just don't have that confidence that you you almost feel like you have to be perfect. And, and, And golf is not a perfect sport. So short game, work on it. Um, believe in, in the work that you do. And he even said, like, I mean, nobody has to be out there chipping and putting for hours. Like you can literally putt for five minutes and get something out of it. Um, And then that's kind of my next point. My last point is this Uh, going unconscious when you swing, whether it be a pitch, whether it be a putt, whether it be, um, you know, a bunker shot, you have to, when you are ready like, and, and, and I think I've done this a lot with some of my short game shots, not necessarily with my full swings, but basically you get to a point where you kind of look over what you want to do. You kind of pick your target. And then all of a sudden you look back down and it's like, thinking's done. You just, you're, you just let your body move. You go unconscious. You don't think about, is my elbow in? Is my footings right? Do I have this? You just let it go and have to accept your consequence. And I think, um, you know, I've been doing that for my short game shots, but putts, I think I've been thinking too much. He's, he goes, that was kind of what he talked about Darren Clark. He's like, Darren Clark was hideous at putting going into when he won the open. 
And he got him to a point where he could just get over a ball and just let it rip. You know, take your last look at your target, and there is no thinking after that. It's just make a putt. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, you know, I don't think going unconscious has ever been a thought of mine. It's, you know, it's, I got to think my way through all these swings and shots. And that's where the more athlete now is coming into play. So if you are an athlete or you're playing a lot of athletics, you know, be kind of similar to, you know, a free throw, right? If you're sitting over a free throw and you're thinking about your elbow and you're thinking about, you know, all these things, there's a good chance you're thinking too much uh, and you may not be as successful, but if you get over it and you just kind of get your setup, you do your routine, it just should be like clockwork. And that's all the golf swings, not just, you know, putting or, or driving. So those are all my takeaways. And I think if you can go through a round and, and be kind to yourself and be positive about your short game and like, you know, if you miss a green, don't get down on it. Just it, he goes, you know, good players also try to, chip in like they're not laying up or, or or you should be trying unless you're in a really bad bad spot you should be trying to make everything he said even leg putts you know what why why are you thinking to get in a three-foot circle but to make it um because all of these thoughts positive thoughts tend to have a tend to give your body freedom is basically what i'm saying your body's free you're free from thoughts that are negative you're free from thoughts that uh, would suggest that you're going to leave this one short or leave this one, you know, you're going to blast this one by. So I think everybody should, every golfer should listen or read some of these books because in fact, I think I intend to do it to start a golf season every year. I think I'll forget a lot of the stuff that was mentioned and I need that reminder. So I think the, you know, Brian Moore suggested it to me. I think he listens to it basically once a year and it just gets him in a good mental space and, and mind space. So it's called the unstoppable golfer talks a lot about his clients. Um, you know, he's talks about Keegan Bradley being his client and what he did for him and Trevor Immelman when he won the, the masters and, you know, all these people that he's worked with and, and basically talks about the yips. So if you're, you know, I haven't really struggled with the yips, but somebody that has done that, he talks about that so you can, you know, get over those things. Uh, so I don't know, really good. Uh, worth your time. I think it's like 12 chapters or something like that. I kind of finished it in maybe four or five days. And, and then, yeah. so anyways, I don't know. We had a lot to, lot to talk about there, boys. Um, the major week, major week. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of content out there for major week. I, we were both, I think we're all three excited about, about the, the open and, and, uh, hope that it's a great, golf tournament because everything after this is just kind of a yeah you, you kind of go downhill from here unfor- unfortunately so we have we have the Ryder cup to look forward to as well but but that's not until uh september usually so all right anything else before we sign off and and get some rest get that coffee set get it all pre-made pre-brewed get your breakfast ready just get up and watch golf people it's the best nothing is better than this week all right difference between 79 80 everything maybe today's the day i break 80 want the ball to draw but it keeps on fading no ob and no bogeys i gotta keep it on the 80 is the gold yeah, you hit it on one straight up the gut baby now i got a wedge on my short game cravings little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy so punch out the rough and tune to break 80 